If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17 14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Welcome to Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com as well as the mobile app. He's Paul Dottino. I'm Lance Meadow with you for the next 60 minutes. A reminder, you can interact with us multiple ways. 201-939-4513. You can also hit us up on Twitter, hashtag GiantsChat. And you can find the archive of this show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcast. So a rough game for the Giants on Sunday at MetLife Stadium. They fall to the Eagles 48 to 22. We'll recap that and then we will open up the phone lines and also briefly look ahead to a big game, which was going to happen regardless of yesterday's outcome against the Washington Commanders in Landover, Maryland next Sunday night. But they fall to the Eagles 48 to 22. And Paul, this was a game that unfortunately got out of hand early because the Eagles scored touchdowns on each of their first three possessions. So in the blink of an eye, the Giants were down 21 nothing, And this goes yeah. back to, we had a conversation on Friday. We previewed this game. We broke it down. We talked about the need for multiple takeaways. We talked about the need for time of possession. And we were saying, field goals may be good in a game like this, but you better make sure you score after you put together those lengthy drives. Unfortunately, none of that came to fruition. But what was the true backbreaker was the Eagles weren't getting off the field on third down. The Giants' defense could not slow them down, and they were taking all of those drives and essentially punctuating them with touchdowns. What you saw yesterday was a Philadelphia Eagles team that is not just a true Super Bowl contender. As we've said since July, by the way, in fact, maybe even going back before then, we thought that they would be contenders. I had Buffalo and Philly going to the Super Bowl way back when. So I'm not surprised. But what we're seeing is a Super Bowl contender maybe the favorite, to even to be honest with you, clicking on all cylinders yesterday, and a team that is literally fighting for its life to try to grab the seventh seed in a conference. Basically, folks, that's like a heavyweight champion with a belt or at least a top 10 contender going into the ring against a middleweight. Okay? The heavyweight is going to do damage to that middleweight. And when that middleweight comes into the ring with a detached retina, a torn rotator cuff, and an ACL injury, well, you th- it's going to get ugly. That's just the way it's going to be. And we tried to prepare you for this game all week long. We knew that if Philadelphia brought its A game, this was going to be Mount Everest for the Giants to climb. I think you guys could figure that out by everything that we were trying to tell you. And not only did Philly bring its A game because they played virtually flawless football, the Giants played maybe their worst game of the season. And you know what? When you accidentally drop an entire bucket of salt into the soup, that soup is going to taste really bad. 
And that's what the Giants did yesterday. You could argue the chef may be in love, though, based on your parallel. So I don't know where you're going to take that, Paul. <laughs> when the chef puts too much salt in, you could say there's a few other things <laughs> on their mind. But I understand where you're going with that. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And I think, as you laid out, it wasn't for us to be Debbie Downers last week. We were just being realistic in terms of the challenge that the Giants were up against and how the ball was going to have to bounce their way so many times to force lost possessions for the Eagles, takeaway possessions. And I'm not saying that if this changes, the game alters, but... The huge development in yesterday's game, at least when the game was still early, Paul, and I right. just want to go over a few moments. I know, once again, in the big thick of things, I don't know if it would have made a difference. But you get the block punt, you shorted the field, you score the touchdown. It's 21-7. Little momentum coming back the Giants' way. And oh, then you mean what the happens? 66-yard kickoff return. Exactly. Then on the ensuing kickoff, Boston Scott, who has yeah, had a track him. record against the him. Giants. Yes, him. And ultimately scored him. His- Eighth rushing touchdown. And by the way, it figures he'd have the name Boston in his name too, doesn't it? Too. Because Perhaps rub it in. There's to the not New a York single. Team. There's not a single team out of Boston that I want to see lose more than any of their teams, other than maybe Philadelphia teams. Well, okay. So whether he plays for Boston or Philadelphia, I still think it applies based on yeah. the logic through that. But in all seriousness, that was a killer. Sixty-six yards. Because now you go from shorting the field, scoring a touchdown, Paul. The Eagles got the ball at the Giants' 35. Right. Instant field goal. Yeah, you can't give them free scoring opportunities like that. Lance, I'm going to tell you, even without that, the way that the Eagles were driving the ball, I mean, their first two scoring drives were over 80 yards apiece. One of them was 92, I believe. Okay? It doesn't matter. The truth is, even if he hadn't returned it, chances are they were going to go right down the field and they was going to score a touchdown anyway. They wound up settling for a field goal, believe it or not, because the defense actually stiffened and did a decent job there. But, look, that was the one flicker during the course of the game where the Giants actually had an opportunity to maybe, maybe turn back the avalanche. And And that's my point. And they didn't do it. Yeah. But those are the types of scenarios, the block punt, you needed two to three more of those type of plays to even feel as if you're making a bit of an indent Mm -hmm. against the Eagles. And that's what we talked about because Mm -hmm. what was a big part of the conversation? The Commanders beat the Eagles, their lone loss this season on Monday Night Football. And Philly gave that game away. And Philly turned the ball over four times. Giants had zero takeaways. I understand the block punt in the minds of people is a takeaway. It doesn't go down, though, as a takeaway from a textbook situation. Yes, it was a bit of a lost possession change of field position, I'll give you that. But it wasn't a true turnover. And the Eagles, by the way, they had a turnover, meaning a takeaway at the expense of the Giants. It came late in the Mm -hmm. game when Tyrod Taylor was in, but that was their MO, right? We're talking about a team that leads the NFL in takeaways and a team that's very good at protecting the ball. They lived up to expectations from that regard. So the minute you knew the Giants weren't able to grab three or four of those, it was going to take a perfect effort and then some out of the Giants. And unfortunately, it was nowhere to be found. You know, one of the things that's, I guess, disappointing if you're the Eagles and maybe the only thing that's a blemish on what their game tape will show them today is that they only got the one fumble recovery. This is a team that was, what, plus 13 in takeaway ratio? I mean... They have specialized in getting interceptions like every single week, and they couldn't pick off Daniel Jones. You know, uh, the Giants actually were able to prevent that, and, you know, that's probably the only thing that Sirianni is looking at this morning and saying, you know what, we didn't get enough takeaways in that game. 
Otherwise, fellas, you did a good job. I'm, I'm sure that's the conversation. It may be, but also I think it's a reflection of the Giants have done a pretty good job protecting the football. This they season, have. Right? On the year. They have. 13 turnovers. You know, I, fi- I find, folks, and, and listen, listen, you know me. I'm a facts guy. I deal with the facts. I learned years ago, you got to get emotions out of it. You got to stick to the facts. The facts are Philadelphia is a bona fide Super Bowl contender and maybe a favorite. Giants, again, going for the seventh seed in the conference, okay? Here's the thing. The stories today about how wide the gap is, no kidding. No kidding. The Eagles have built a Super Bowl contender slash favorite over several years of drafts, trades, free agents, the same, you know, Roseman's been there for a while now, okay? This is the first year. This would be like, okay, this would be like a college grad with a master's degree taking the same test as a freshman who just came into college and say, okay, guys, we're going to grade your two tests. Which, which grade is going to be better? Well, the guy with the master's degree, because he's been in the program longer and he's graduated and matured and gone through the process, his grade's going to be a hell of a lot better than that freshman's grade. But that's what the Giants are. They're in the first year of a new era with a new administration. So don't compare yourself to the Philadelphia Eagles. The fact that there's a huge gap between these two teams, A, should not surprise you, and B, should not trouble you very much because that's where the Giants want to be maybe two years from now, Lance. They're not getting there this year. You knew that already. You know, your Volkswagen is not going to run the Formula One like a, like a Porsche. It's not going to do it. So why, why even throw it in the race and compare? It's stupidity. But, of course, I see a lot of written stories about that in the papers today because they can't help themselves. Well, it's an overreaction. It really is. It really is. All you care about if you're a Giants fan, all you should care about is how this team's season winds up. And if they can make the playoffs, it means that they rose that much above the rest of the mediocrity in this league in the first year of their rebuild. And if they get in, that is a wonderful experience for this entire squad that they will be able to cultivate and learn from. That's what you want. This is about are the Giants better than Washington, and they still have a chance to prove that. And are they better than a team like Seattle because by the end of the season, they may have a better record than Seattle. That's the Those are the teams you want to compare yourself to. Don't feel bad that you're not as accomplished as a team that's been built to be a Super Bowl champion because they've had many years to construct that roster. Okay? Let me make that clear. Don't bother buying your newspapers. Don't bother clicking on those stories. You can just throw them all out. It's a worthless waste of time. Opposite ends of the spectrum, I think, especially based on how both of these teams have been playing, not just this year, but also in recent history. See, to me... More of a takeaway is of the angle of, A, the Giants are 0-3-1 in the division. That, I think, is a fair takeaway. That's not just the Eagles. That's everybody. And they have yet to win a game. And we talked about the schedule is going to change now. Four straight games against divisional four. 1-8-1 in their last 10 games in the East. And that was going to be That's another troublesome. factor. Yes. And then the second factor is just one win in the last six games, Paul. 
with the lone victory coming against the Houston Texans, right. the team with the worst record in the NFL. Those, to me, are fair takeaways. As the injury in the list, as the injury list sure, Well, there's, listen, there's a lot of factors that contribute to no that. No doubt. But the bottom line is, listen, you're the first one that always quotes Bill Parcells, right? You are what your record is. And I've always said that's the one, one of two things that Bill always said that does not hold true. I disagree with him. Okay, well, I heard you bring it up a lot so if we want to now no I, I, I brought it up but I happen to yeah. disagree with it okay well if we at least apply that philosophy just for the time being here they have won only one game in the last six and this just goes back to the point of the Giants schedule has changed because we know right the NFC East is having a huge swing of momentum in their favor they pulled the 180 the division overall See, everybody has been at least fairly consistent here's the thing because of overreaction Monday and you're a thousand percent right we all know that Fans are like seesaws oh, every sure. Monday. They can't yeah. help themselves because the writers feed into it. So does talk radio. What you have to remember is there are still four games to go. There are still four games left. Evaluate this season after game 17. Well, do not evaluate that's Do not evaluate <laughs> this season today. The body of work is not complete. Absolutely. Let the damn thing play out before you start making you know, huge, broad-brushed broad uh, kind of, of comments and philosophies. The season's not over yet. I mean, look, Lance, here's, here's what I'm going to say. I'm, I, I will finish with this and then get to wherever you want to go, get calls, whatever. Here's what I'm going to say, folks. Here's what you want as a general manager or as a coach, aside from the rebuilding process and the growth and maturity of a retooling team. What you want to do is go in to the final month of your season with an opportunity to control your own destiny. You don't want to have to scoreboard watch every single other game saying, well, is there a way we can get back into it? Can we breathe life back into our schedule because somebody else lost? Well, guess what, folks? The Giants are 7-5-1, and one, and as of right this minute, they totally control their own destiny. They will get into the playoffs or not make the playoffs based on what they do from this point forward. Nothing else matters. It's that simple. Yeah. Well, and that's why that's the conversation, not what Seattle's doing, San Francisco's doing, Detroit's doing. We could sit here and run circles around this conversation because every week it's going to change because every week there's going to be Correct. new results. Yes, the Giants control their own destiny. My only point is bringing back one win in the last six is they have to start taking care of their business. And that has not happened over the last few weeks. So you want to see them start to make strides in that department, starting against a Washington Commanders team that they played to a tie a week ago and that is coming off of a bye. It's got to start eventually. That's my point. It does. And to be fair, Dallas and Philly, I know I looked at both of those games as very tall mountains to climb given the rosters that the Giants took into those games. I did not predict Giants victories in either of those games. I did think they'd beat Washington. But I certainly did not think they were going to beat Dallas well, and Philly. Even at full strength, it would have been a tough game okay? against Dallas and Philly. So so those were those were losses that fit the chalk, if you will. All right. The only one that really, really gets my goat is Detroit. Because Detroit is in that middleweight class. 
They are part of the quicksand of mediocrity. And and they handed it to the Giants. The Giants just did not play well at all. They laid an egg that day. That's a game that would have me seething this morning because I was seething back then when they lost that Detroit game. That was the most angry I've been all season because that's a game against another middleweight team at home, at home, that you absolutely have to win if you want to be considered above your competition. And they did not. That's the one. That game bothered me a heck of a lot more than the Dallas loss or the Philadelphia loss. The Washington loss, you and I can disagree all day. That last series was one of the worst officiating things that I've ever seen in my entire life, and that game was stolen from them. Case closed. I'm not even going to go there. Yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily I know. feel that that's I know. a fair synopsis, I get but I get you're entitled to feel your way. It is what it is. The game is in the past. They now have another opportunity. To me, two things that I just want to get to before we extend the conversation elsewhere. The struggles in stopping the run continue. Philadelphia had over 250 rushing yards. The Commanders ran the ball effectively for 165 yards, nearly five yards a carry. That's got to be cleaned up. You can tell me all you want about maybe they have Leonard Williams back, but there have been games where Leonard Williams has played and they have still struggled to stop the run. So that's a bit of a red flag. And then the other play I wanted to bring up was the touchdown that made it 14-0, where it's a fourth and seven from the Giants' 41 which also, by the way, may be an indication of how confident Nick Sirianni is in his team. You know, I mean, at that point, you could argue, why not punt the ball, right? And just say, you got a great defense. Why give the Giants great field position? God forbid you don't convert on this, right, Paul? Nick Sirianni said, no, we're going to go for it. Okay, hey, credit to him. So Jalen Hurts, he's looking down the right sideline. He throws one over Darnay Holmes. Julian Love looks like he's got a good read on the football. And Love is holding out his hands as if it's just going to fall right into the breadbasket. And then Devontae Smith makes the grab. It parts like the Red Sea. He walks into the end zone. Julian Love was asked after the game. He said he thought he was going to make the interception. That's why he didn't go to high point the football. Clearly, that came back to burn him. And then the other thing that he didn't flat out say this, Paul, but if you went back, there was, because I don't know if you were at his presser, because I know you were in the locker room at the time. He was asked a question about, was the penalty in the back of your mind? Meaning, were you nervous at the time, that if I really go after him, I really look to hit him physically, they're going to throw a flag. And he didn't necessarily say he was scared, but he did at least acknowledge the fact that that was on his mind at the time for maybe Mm. why he wasn't a little more aggressive in pursuing Devontae Smith as opposed to the ball. Yeah, for me, I'll break it down simple. I'm, I'm playing the man because it's fourth and seven. The interception really doesn't do you any good. Because if he makes that pick, the truth of the matter is... You get worse field positioning. Right. Yeah. Giants get the ball, what, at their own 20? Because he's not going to return that much, if at all. He's probably going to fall out of bounds, catch the ball, and probably on the sideline. To me, the whole play is, I don't want to intercept that ball. It's fourth and seven. I just want to break it up. And now I'm going to have the ball at midfield. So, instinctively, he thought he had a lollipop rainbow. He's playing center field instinctively, he's thinking, go for the pick, especially since Philly doesn't give the ball up a lot. I'm sure he was thinking what we were talking about all week. You got to get takeaways. Sure. Got to get takeaways. Make Hurts pay. Make them turn the ball over. That's how we're going to get back. That's how we're going to get into this game. We got to have takeaways. I think that's what happened. 
I think his psyche was overwhelmed with trying to get a takeaway that it basically jumped over the logic of just breaking up the pass and getting the ball back at the 45, which to me was a no-brainer. I'm thinking to myself, why are you even going for the interception? Yeah, because it's a turnover on downs if you break up the ball, which is even better than a turnover See, at that point. And that and that's 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 where I think there was a a misjudgment on his part. He was overzealous in trying to make the pick instead of making the smarter play, which would have been breaking up the fourth down and taking over in much better position. It's a damn shame because he's a hell of a player. He's a smart player. He's incredibly uh, liked in that locker room, loved in that locker room, if I'm not trying to use a pun, and the Giants want to extend him. He's a, he's a really good player. In this case, I think he, uh, he misjudged his actions based on probably being overzealous, thinking that the takeaway was a very critical part of what the Giants needed to do. And this is where the game changes because the Eagles get that touchdown. Then the Giants, of course, get the ball back on the ensuing kickoff. And here's where Jamie Gillen drops the punt. He gets called for a penalty because he kicked it on the bounce. And then on the very next play, all of a sudden the home run to A.J. Brown from 33 yards out. Game's 21 nothing. And let's face it, you fall back three touchdowns to the Eagles. <laughs> You're going to need more than a few good bounces to try to make that up. So the reason why I'm bringing this up is these are the types of things that the Giants desperately needed to avoid. They came in patches in the game really like all at once. And as a result, it was just too big of a deficit for them to really get back in the game to even make it somewhat competitive. Again, let's make something clear. It's not how they measure up to the Eagles that matters today. It does not. It might matter in two years, folks. It does not matter today. What matters today is how they measure up against the other teams trying to get into the playoffs. That's what matters. What matters is Sunday night in Landover at FedEx Field. That's what matters. What matters is the Commanders, the Vikings, the Colts, and perhaps the Eagles in Week 18. There you so go. The Eagles may come back into the equation, Paul, not in terms of they might. beating them for the division, but maybe needing a win <laughs> to actually get into the playoffs. So that's where I would it's not possible. dismiss Philadelphia completely. It's, po it's possible. Those are the four games. They control their own destiny. Now they have to capitalize. I'm tired of having these conversations about, well, if San Francisco loses this game and Washington loses this game, the Giants, it's all laid out for them. That's it. Just go out and win football that's games. It. Period. End of discussion. That's it. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Giants Huddle Podcast. Make sure you go subscribe. Podcast features a rapid reaction right after each game with one of our analysts, an episode midweek featuring an interview with a national analyst, and then a game preview featuring a long-form interview with a current Giants player, an exclusive sit-down with Bob Papa and head coach Brian Dable, as well as an opponent preview of that week's opponent. You can search for Giants Huddle on your favorite podcast platform, or you can listen on the Giants app or at Giants.com slash podcast. Also, there is one remaining home game at least, still on the docket. Yes. So don't miss it at MetLife Stadium. Giants are going to host mm. the Indianapolis Colts. Limited tickets are still available mm. for those remaining games, or I should say game, 
Since it's not plural anymore, visit Giants.com slash tickets to find your game and secure your seat. And last but not least, Giants official connected TV streaming app. It's Giants TV. It brings you original video content and game highlights on demand and direct to big blue fans. Giants TV is free. It's on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, as well as the Giants mobile app. All right, let's open up the phone lines at 201-939-4513. We've got Donnie in Queens joining us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Donnie? Hey, guys. Happy Monday. You too. Um, Paul, I thought you nailed it. Um, obviously, any given Sunday kind of goes without saying, but if, if you went into yesterday's game thinking the Giants were going to punch in the same weight class as the Eagles, you were probably setting yourself up for disappointment. And, you know, I'm watching the game with my brother, and at the end of the first quarter, I said, you know, the talent gap between the two teams, look no further than wide receiver, right? The last two years, the Giants bring in Kenny Galladay and Kadarius Tony. They bring in uh, Smith and Brown. Mm-hmm. Well, at the end of that first quarter, those two guys had outpaced the careers of Galladay mm-hmm. and uh, Tony. All oh, those guys, yeah, uh, they executed. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, so it's you know th- that's kind of just where we're at here. But like you said, Sunday night, these are evenly matched teams. Two teams that like to run the ball. They both think they have good defensive lines. So it really comes down to the best players on each team. Who plays better? And Frankly, if they, if they win this game, I think they're going to give themselves a really good shot to get in. And you know what? They'll probably get trounced you know, in the playoffs, too. But it, it doesn't really matter. I think for the, for the rest of the season, it's like you said, let's evaluate the, the full scope of things, see where things shake out. And, you know, th- th- these guys aren't stupid. You know, Shane and Dable were just around a Super Bowl-containing team. They know work needs to be done. And the guys that prove they, they should stick around well, those who won't, won't. So, Hey, let's hope they win on Sunday, and we'll go for that. I appreciate the uh, call, and uh, enjoy the show. Thanks. Thank you so much. Appreciate the call. Well-thought-out call, and I appreciate that being the first caller of the show. Yeah, well, good perspective. I think it pretty much reinforces what we already talked about, so it's not necessarily anything new. They still have an opportunity in front of them. They have to play better. They have to be able to run the football as effectively as they did earlier in the season which has not been as consistent. They have to be able to stop the run, which has been a bit of an Achilles heel for this team. Those are the two ingredients as we get into an early preview somewhat against Washington. And as far as the overall evaluation with respect to the team, yeah, Joe Shane and Brian Dable, they were in Buffalo. They understand what it takes to, it's not just also what it takes to make the playoffs. They also understand what it takes to sustain success. Okay, see, that's the key. And I know we're maybe getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, Paul, in the conversation, but it's not just about flashes in the NFL. It's about can you be a team that can operate consistently year to year? And I'm always a big believer just because you sniff the playoffs one year or exceed expectations doesn't mean you come back the following September and everything is a continuation of what it was last season. How many times do we have conversations, Paul, from callers where they Mm. want to see the team play good in the final quarter of the season, the final four games? And the argument is because I want to see the momentum carry over into next season. My counter to that is rosters are going to change. I mean, you even talked about there's going to be players that are on the roster this year that are not going to come back because Joe Shane and Brian Dable are going to continue to put their stamp on it. So it's very limited to me 
what you do in the final stages of the season that guarantees to carry over. I know you're a big believer. You look at it more from, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but the experience factor. We were talking about this on the exactly. post-game show. That's exactly what I look I mean, at that's, it at. But I don't look at it, though, overall the team and how it operates the Final Four because you can't tell me how many guys on this 53 are going to be back next September. So to that degree, I don't think it carries as much weight. See, for me, um, and John asked me this on the post game the other day, he goes, well, what if you lose, you know, four out of your last five games, but you make the playoffs? But that goes exactly what you said. What you do, what your record is in December doesn't carry over to the following year. But the experience of making a playoff, that does. Because experience teaches you something. And there's not a soul on this planet who has it at least learn something from experience. Now, what they do with that knowledge is up to them. They could butcher it, throw it away, and 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 absolutely go in the wrong direction. But experience is the greatest teacher of all. And for this Giants team that is loaded with guys who have never been to the playoffs, veterans like Leonard Williams who've never been there, and a bunch of young guys who you've been talking about all summer, Giants' first, second, and third-year players who desperately need to advance themselves. Well, they've never even sniffed the playoffs either. So for all of those guys, whether or not they do come back or don't come back, for every one of those guys, a playoff experience is something that they can take and learn from that will help in their maturing process as each one of those players advance and develops into what they're going to be long-term during their careers. I will maintain that with an iron fist. I will argue that to the death. Playoff experience, especially for guys who haven't had it, is incredibly valuable. So, no, I'm not going to allow anybody to argue against that. I will not. That's it. Experience is important. Yeah, you're looking at it more from an individual standpoint. And I'm just saying that it all depends on how many of those guys are brought back in terms of how truly it can impact the team. Because if a lot of those guys with playoff experience don't return, let's say, then how are you, much are you helping your team the following year? Almost my point. every foundational player that the Giants have right now that you would suggest are core players on this team have not been there. Yeah, well, I mean, so, so to your point, record, you can flush that one down the toilet because almost all of those guys are going to be back. Well, sure, because it's a young team. But once again, bingo. But, but the you core, just proved my point. No, no, no. no, no but Thank my, you. But my point is the core players, the ones. Julian Love, Dexter Lawrence, Daniel Jones. Saquon Haven't been Barkley. there. Haven't been there. Yeah, but there's going to be a lot of decisions that have to be made specifically about that core. And we don't know how many of them are going to be back. That's my point. The guys that do a lot of the heavy lifting for your team. Because, for, yes, overall, the roster is extremely young and inexperienced. If for some reason yeah. some of those guys don't come back, okay, so be it. They will still benefit from that experience. And if they take it elsewhere, they take it elsewhere. The point is, you will have at least a bunch of guys here. They're not going to get rid of all of them. No, of course not. You'll have but, at least a bunch of guys here who would be in their first ever playoff. And that's a big deal to them. Yeah, but... I mean, once again, rosters do turn over a lot, is my point. And by the way, from season to season. Brian Dable's the head coach. He's never head coached a game in the playoffs, has he? No. But oh, he's been to well, the playoffs a lot, though. Guess what? He's going to be back next year. So he'll benefit from the experience of coaching in his first ever playoff game. And that you have no comeback for. I'm not. What, what is this? Why are you so vindictive? Well, because because I won't. I'm in a conversation. I, 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 I don't. This is one point that I won't, I won't yield I'm on. I'm not trying. Paul, 
when we have a conversation, I'm not trying to take you to my side. You have your viewpoint. I have my viewpoint. That's a part okay. of conversation That's in society. Fair. That's okay? fair. That's this fair. idea that there's a winner and a loser in every That's conversation, I don't, I don't understand this. Here's what we can I agree on. I never get this. Philadelphia had four wins two years ago. Then they got nine. Now they got 12. This team is clearly further along down the road in their development than the Giants are. And that's something that you were very clear about on our show the other day. You said it on the postgame. They have constructed a team with their foundational pieces, then went out in free agency, then went out and got in the trade market, and that's what they got. That's what the Giants are trying to do. They wound up waiting till the second year to make the playoffs last year as they were going through some of their rebuild. Okay? If the Giants can do it in year one, all the better. Well, the better. Sure. Listen, you'd love to accelerate. I just think the Eagles, what Doug Peterson left behind, there was, I think, more of a foundation for Nick Sirianni to inherit compared to yes. what went on here yes, with the Giants. Y- yes, there I mean, was. That was a sizable difference, Which too. would even make it more impressive if the Giants could make the playoffs this year. Yeah. Because Given the, they, the resources they, they had a much more difficult situation to come out of. Let's head back to the lines. We got... Wilson in Roxbury joining us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Wilson? Hey, guys. How are you? What's going on? What do you got? Okay. Paul, Paul, listen. I'll give you your boxing analogy and your soup, salt with soup analogy, and I give you that. (laughs) There's some good news and there's a bad news. I'll give you all that. But I can't give you the fact that that team, Brian Dable, didn't have that team ready to play. They were defeated coming out of the tunnel. They got punched in the mouth, and they crumbled like a cookie. They embarrassed themselves in front of all the fans. The Eagles are laughing in their sidelines. The Texans, the Colts gave, gave a better fight. Don't, I mean, there's one thing. Forget about talent. Talent is talent. But to give up like that and to get punched in the mouth like that, and, and that, is, that is unacceptable, and they should give up their paychecks this week because – that's one thing. I'm not going to argue about. I'm not going to argue about talent. Listen, there's good teams and bad teams. I understand all that. I understand all that. But but you're going to tell me that that team, that team, they want they didn't want any part of that of the second half. They just wanted the game to be over. I mean, I, I can't give you that. I give you all that stuff. I understand, both Are you saying that oh, there's a lot of injuries? There's that. There's that. The Texans were playing two quarterbacks yesterday against the Cowboys. It looked mm. like a college team. I mean, come on, man. Well, I mean, I don't think it's hard for me to argue that there was the lack of effort on the field in the second half, Wilson, if that's your argument. Because, I mean, they scored a touchdown on their first drive in the third quarter. They went 11 plays, 75 yards. At that point, we're talking about it's a 27-7 to game. I mean, what's the chances you're overcoming a 20-point deficit in the second half? They came out, they had a very productive first drive of the second half. So I would disagree with your sentiments about they just laid an egg and they were like, that's it. I don't think there was a sign of that. And we talked about early in the game, there were a lot of mistakes that were made that unraveled and made the game what it was. Missed opportunities, just like in the Washington game. There were tons of missed opportunities. No different than that. They have to play better from that standpoint. But I didn't get the feel that there was a lack of desire to want to go out and play football. I I disagree with you there. And Wilson, I will say this. They played very poorly. They played poorly. I, I said earlier in the program, the Giants brought their D game. They played very poorly. No one is disputing that at all. And when you play your D game against a much better opponent that is clicking on all cylinders, this is the result you're going to get. I don't. I, I listen, Paul. I I understand that. Listen, obviously, obviously they're a much better team. 
Listen, after they, after 14 nothing, the game was over. Everybody, the whole stadium knew it was over. The, the Eagles, I mean, my, look, all I'm saying is this. All I'm saying is this. For all the good stuff that Brian, Brian Dable has done, I, and he's done a lot of good stuff, they didn't look, they didn't look, they, to me, the team looked defeated coming out. I mean, after Daniel Jones got sacked twice in the first, in the first, in the first, uh, um, what was it? The first. You talking about the first yeah, first, first right, possession? Right. Yeah. I, 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 I told my son the game is over. Okay. Let Let me ask you something though. Let's just go say ahead, Let's ahead. just say for a second that your feelings are spot on, and that's the way it went down. And to be frank with yeah. you, I I thought they were in deep trouble from the, from from last Wednesday. I thought they were in deep trouble. So that's fine. I'm not going to begrudge your feelings. You're entitled to feel how you want. But what okay. does that have to do with Sunday's game against Washington, which, well, to I'm be not, frank with talking. you, has a tremendous amount to do with what this team's future is going to be? You should, you, what you need to do is what the coaches and the players are doing. They're going to flush that game like it never right. happened and move on because right. they still got the fruit in front of them to grab. And that's what you need it's, to do. And, and I'm grateful that I actually have a December that actually have a December. Pretty cool, that, right? The last time, we never had a December. When was the last time John Spence I know, I know. There's only been two of them in the last uh, 12 years. Exactly. And, and I listen, and I'm grateful. Listen, I, I bleed it. I, I bleed. I, I, I live and die with this thing. I call you guys a lot. But but uh, yesterday, yesterday, what was, it was hard to take. It, it was hard to take. I understand. Wilson, Wilson, I understand. The emotions really the burned call. because. The game was horrific. It got out of control, and it was horrific. And nobody wants to ever see their team get whacked like that. I totally understand that. But what you got to do is then say, all right, it was what it was. It's isolated. You put it in a box, and you move on to the next week. Like, Like Dable says, consistency is the most important thing he can preach to his team. Focus on the present and that's what you have to do. Instead of dwelling on and crying over spilled milk and, you know, continuing to uh, pick at the wound that is yesterday, you got to move on and say, all right, how do you dust yourself off, get back up, and run to the finish line? That's the more productive way to feel. That, that's all I'm telling you. I'm not saying you can't hurt over yesterday, but it's more productive to look ahead than it is to look behind. See, I think that reaction, that last caller, that's a product of all of the one-score games that they played and the expectation that every single game should follow suit. Because, what, 7-2-1 and one in one-possession games this I know. year, right? But I know. it goes back to now the caliber of the competition has changed because you're playing teams that you had not played. Remember, the With Giants— With fewer bullets in your chamber. Of course, yeah, the team is not keep, 100%. Keep, keep that in mind. Sure, but even if the team was healthy, Paul, I would still argue the Eagles and the Cowboys are a tough challenge regardless. No doubt. Okay? Even if you have Leonard Williams and a Dory no Jackson, doubt. you're not guaranteeing a Giants victory. No doubt. But you played a lot of one-score games. You were competitive. Now what's happened over the last few weeks? You referenced the disappointment to the Lions game. That was a lopsided game for the most part. The Dallas game, lopsided game. I know it's only an eight-point victory, but let's face it. Things got out of hand in the second right. half. Washington, they were down 10 nothing in that game. They came back. They forced a tie, and now we have the Philadelphia game. So three of the last four games were not walking that tightrope type of feel. 
And I, that's my interpretation of the reaction of that last caller. I expect the Giants to come out and it, to come down to 30 seconds left in the fourth quarter, and it's going to be do or die. But it changes when you're going up against divisional foes who clearly had set the tone very nicely. This you know season. what's funny? When the Giants were using the next man up and winning games during the first half of the season, they were doing it against middleweight teams. Okay? Now, I'll tell you what. If I could pick my schedule every year, I would pick middleweights and bottom feeders, You don't make apologies for the schedule. You play who's on it. I I wouldn't pick the elite teams. I certainly wouldn't want to pick the elite teams when I know my roster is at half strength. I mean, yeah, but see, that's what you got to understand. You know, and it was... This is, if anything, if you really want to take take some type of emotional response out of what you're seeing over the last month, then take this response. How impressive is it that they won all those one-score games when a number of their frontline players were going down and their second units were coming up and they were squeaking out, squeaking out, one-score games against fellow middleweight competition. If anything, that first half of the schedule, what, what they did, should be even more impressive to you today than it was two months ago. Because now as they go three and four deep onto the depth chart and playing the much better teams in the league, well, what did you expect? Here's the other thing, which relates to your point about playing all those one-score games and making those plays. Tennessee, you had the missed field goal. Chicago, the muff punt late. Baltimore, Lamar Jackson, the bad snap. He throws the interception. Giants were coming through with those critical game-changing plays, Paul, right? The ball was bouncing their way. Now what has happened over the last few weeks? The law of average has come into play. They're not getting those game-changing plays to occur consistently. The ball is not always bouncing their way. So, you know, that's the other thing that I think has been absent especially in three of the last four contests. The quicksand of mediocrity. We know the margin is going to be thin. And the more games you play, the more the quicksand of mediocrity is going to try to pull you back down. That's just the way it is. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. The aspects balancing out, essentially. Let's head back to the phone lines. We've got James in Georgia joining us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, James? Hey, what's going on, fellas? Hi. Doing all right. What's um, on your mind? Uh, this season going to come down to uh, pretty much Jihad Ward's presser last night, which couldn't be aired on the Giants um, app or whatnot. Uh, I get that the talent and people are hurt, but... Sometimes at the end of the day, when things are right in front of you, you got to step above the X's and O's and, and make the plays that are available to yep. be made. Yep. And they've got um, four games to do it. That's exactly right. Do it. That's exactly right. And you, I know it's not, you know, we got to handle our own business, but at this point, I think we're at a, you, we probably have to get close to winning out. Because of well, that's handling your own business, then, isn't that? <laughs> I mean, you pretty much answered your own true. question. Yeah, 
Yeah, but we might be looking for some help from guys like the Jets to keep other teams. Yeah, but see that, but James, see that can't be the philosophy, and this is my opinion. I think you want to say you controlled your destiny and you took care of business. Right. A playoff spot is a playoff spot, as Paul mentioned. Nobody's going to take it away from you. But I think there is a distinct difference in saying you're entering the postseason with a little bit of steam, better play than what has transpired in three of the last four games. I think there is a distinct difference to that. Right, and but I mean. If we end up with 10 wins and, say, the Lions end up with 10 wins, we're out. Then that'd be one less game than we need to win right now. We'd have to win out. Okay, but here, here, here's the thing. For everybody who's assuming in Detroit that they're going to win out, I could assume the Giants are going to win out too. Because that assumption, that assumption yep. and that hypothetical basically is fool's gold. Nobody in the quicksand of mediocrity in this league, if you're one of those 20-something mediocre teams – None of those teams have a right to believe that they're going to win out. Can you want to win That's out? Right. Sure you can. Is yeah. it possible? Right. Sure it's possible. But to think realistically that you will, happen. probably not going to happen. The quicksand of mediocrity will not let you climb out that, that well. well it's and, not going to happen. Well, and here's the other thing. Hold on. Let's not even move forward. James, in your hypothetical, if the Giants and the Lions both get the 10 wins, then the Giants, they don't even have to worry about a tiebreaker. Yeah, they Giants get in win. Because the Giants would have six losses. The right. Lions would have seven. That's right. Because that's right. of the whole tie situation. So that's irrelevant. It doesn't matter. But I know what he was talking no, about. No, no, I get it. Well, I but I want to at least about. lay the facts out because there right. are some people that are saying, oh my God, if the Lions and the Giants both end up in 10 wins, we're going to be. Right. You know, no, I know, know, I, know where you, I know where you were so, coming from because people yeah. keep wanting to interject the Lions into this equation. And I just think that's too far fetched to be thinking about. To me, it's about Seattle. Okay. San Francisco plays Seattle on Thursday. The way the Niners are going and the way the, the Seahawks are going. I'm sure that the experts out West probably have San Francisco as his favorite in that game. Based I'm on sure. how teams are playing. Sure. And to be honest yeah. with you, there's nothing wrong if you're a Giants fan, despite everything that you'd like to see this team do, and there it's in front of them, you want them to earn it, there's nothing wrong with pulling like hell for San Francisco on Thursday night. There's nothing wrong with that. Well, they're still fighting for the NFC West title, and appreciate the phone call, James. As far as... The other teams that are in the mix, I mean, once again, the Lions are playing better football, but they have a lot more pressure on them than any other team because they essentially really have to win out. Right. The margin for error for them is minute. And then we know the commander's situation with the Giants. So the Giants are right in the thick of things, but you just you want to see better execution and better football. I don't think that's asking for much based on what we've seen over the last few weeks. Michael is in Albany joining us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Michael? Yes. Good afternoon, guys. Thanks for taking the call. And I think Paul was spot on with his uh, game summary, and I'm right with him on the Boston Scott making a career against the Giants thing too. I I just don't understand that. Anyway, I just <laughs> wanted to I just wanted to run a thought uh, by you guys, uh, sort of on the lines of what you were just talking about on the four remaining games in the season. I think there's really only two scenarios that are going to allow the Giants to have any hope of postseason. And both of those depend on winning the Washington game this week. I mean, that's really critical. If we don't win that, it's kind of doesn't matter what almost what happens in the next three games, even if we won out, because it'll come down to tiebreakers and we'll probably lose on that. No, 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 no. Hold on. Hold on. Let me help you out here. 
if the Giants lose to Washington and then win out, you just presented that scenario, okay, yeah. that would give them six losses on the season. Okay, Seattle already has six losses. And they're playing San Francisco, Kansas City, the Jets, and the Rams. Seattle okay. would then have to win out. So let me make something clear to you here. Even if the Giants lose to Washington, okay, they're still mathematically in pretty good shape. Not to say that they will win their final three games. Again, that's another hypothetical, and we can debate how real that may be. But mathematically, they can lose to Washington, and they're still in real good shape because I don't think Seattle's going to win its final four games. What hurts if they lose to Washington, it hurts a tiebreaker scenario with Washington. Correct. Because Washington then would have the lone win since they already tied, and Washington would have its second divisional win. The Giants would then be 0-4-1 in the division. So that's where the killer is. It's more of the head-to-head between you and Washington. Correct. Then, as far as everything else that plays out, we'd have to see how the final three games are. That's why the NFC West has always been important in this equation. It's been that way for the last couple of weeks, and I don't know why more people did not understand that. Uh, Washington does have San Francisco, Cleveland, and Dallas. So if the Giants were to lose to Washington, then obviously they'd have to pick up two games on Washington in the final three weeks of the season. Because you have to finish ahead of them to avoid a tiebreaker. And that... That is maybe what you were looking at. That that's, puts the that's what I was. that puts the Giants in serious trouble against Washington, but it doesn't really necessarily cripple them against Seattle. Got it. Your, your guys are absolutely right. The the last point I was going to make, that depending on the Washington game, then we got Minnesota, Indianapolis, and Philly left, and Philly's an away game. But given that would be the last game of the season, and Philly would probably already have clinched. It depends. Yeah. Uh, They may not play their frontline players, which could give us a better chance in that game than it did in yesterday's debacle. Let let me throw something at you. If you want that scenario to be in play, then the Giants can do themselves a really big favor by beating the Vikings in two weeks. Oh, that's true. I think they got to win either the Vikings or Indy plus that last Philly game. I I think it's going to take. It may. Ten wins. Sure. You do. To get in. Well, here's the other thing. The other game that's of importance in this equation is Dallas still plays Philly again. Remember, we're talking about the number one seed. The division race is still up for grabs, Yes, it too. is. Oh, yeah. So, you know, You're if right. Dallas beats Philadelphia, forget the number one seed. The Eagles may need that final game to solidify the NFC East title. Okay? And there's. That would wreck it, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot. And and here's the other thing, Michael, that I want to bring up. It's funny you brought up the Eagles may rest their starters. If we learned anything, though, about the Eagles based on their defensive front, they could bench the four guys that they start, okay? (laughs) They could play their backups, and they'd still be better off, okay? So I laugh and I chuckle. I laugh and I chuckle when people say, oh, the Eagles will rest their starters. Okay, so that means Boston Scott then is still going to play and get the bulk of the carries right in the backfield. So we're going to see Milton Williams on the defensive line. Brandon Graham is not even a starter. I mean, let's – Nick Sirianni only has 53 guys. This idea that the Eagles will just, you know, they'll bench 30-some-odd guys and they'll bring in the JV team, <laughs> that's not going to happen, okay? So you know, happen. Yeah. You got to right. look at it You're through right. that lens. You know yeah, what's really case. scary about the seven yep. sacks? And appreciate the phone call, Michael. Thanks for uh, giving us a ring here. Philly had seven sacks against the Giants yesterday, which was the Giants' season high. Yep, to five allow, was right? the previous one. Yep. Okay, you know what's scary about that? All of them were on four-man pressures. They don't have to blitz. 
Yeah. Okay. The Eagles they, do not they, have to they blitz. They ran one zone blitz. Wound up sending four. They had five. One dropped out. They sent four. All of their other sacks were, were four-man pressures. Nothing fancy. We're just coming after you. They're doing that the whole season, though, Paul. Okay. That's what they've been doing. <laughs> and exactly why they are the number one seed and will be and, and are going to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl, in all honesty. I've been saying it since July. I've believed it since July. Uh, they're not doing anything to move me off that. Well, and I don't think anybody's disputing that. The I'm Eagles sorry. are a really good team, and they probably will be one of the last team standing when Boy, it's I'd all love, said and done, I'd barring I'd love to see them lose the Super Bowl. I will tell you that. That'd be delicious. Well, let's get through the rest of the regular <laughs> season before we start speculating about the postseason of the Super Bowl. But here's another thing, by the way. Gardner Minshew is Jalen Hurts' backup. Gardner Minshew could be a starter in this league he right now. He throw. Yeah, so he filled in. Remember, they played the Jets I know, last I know. season. And that's why I know. No, I just, the more and more I, I think know. about it. When but I, look, at, look at what they did to construct that team. It took them a while to do it. Absolutely. But you now know? they're reaping the rewards of it. Right. The right. point is they have a lot of depth. So this idea that the Eagles, mm-hmm. let's say hypothetically, it adds up where they have nothing to play for in Week 18. Don't think it's going to be a layup line because Philadelphia is going to turn to some no of their doubt. backups. That's no the doubt. only point Just, that I'm it, basically saying. It should further give you more hysteria when you read the articles about how the Giants have to go so far to be the Eagles. No kidding. Well, that's not the wow. primary goal right now. Yeah. No, it's not. The goal is for them once again. Did you to... know the sun comes up in the east over the New York skyline? I did not realize that. But well, you better read you the papers because they'll yes, tell you. Okay. Okay. I guess I will be taking more time in my daily <laughs> routine for that. Scott is in New Mexico joining us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Scott? Hi, guys. How are you doing today? Good right, Scott. Hi. What's on your mind? Uh, Lance, you made a lot of intuitive points that I think are very relevant, but one of the things I wanted to talk about, I won't have a lot of time because I see you're short on time now, but how do you fix the things that were that you were talking about, allowing 250 yards uh, a game uh, by your defensive line? I realize talent weighs into that formula, but what does Wink Martindale have to do differently? And also offensively, well, only one of the scores was a long drive. The other one was obviously the real... Um, the, uh, well, the block, block punts yeah, set up, correct. So uh, here's my question to you. We keep talking about I'm not a big believer that the sky is falling simply because you lost to Detroit, which has won probably, what, I think the last five games, or you lost to Dallas. Dallas was almost beaten yesterday by Houston uh, and should have lost to Houston yesterday. And so that's the worst team trying to be one of the best teams. But the real key is the issues that, uh, and I'll point out one thing that happened in the game yesterday, and maybe you can tell me why it happened. You had, I believe, McFadden on A.J. Brown and then Pinnock running across the field, and A.J. Brown was 10 yards ahead of anybody. There was not a person next to him. So is there something that has to be done in regards to the personnel that you have? Because you have to operate with who you have. And the question to me is not whether you're going to win or lose, but how do you cor- correct or rectify the issues that the Giants have? I realize they're limited in the receiving core. And I think, Paul, you and I talked about different things to do, like Wildcat or I-back formations or try to get Saquon to run a little bit better than he's been doing the last number of weeks. But that's my central core because all this to me is a minutia. Uh, uh, whether you win or lose, the idea is to try to win all the games that you play. But in order to do that, you have to have a formula. You have to have something in, in 
in hand to change a losing game. I used to play tennis a lot, and when I played tennis, they said choose a losing game. If you're, in other words, if you're standing back in volley. So the real key is what do you see, either one of you, as what the Giants have to do with the personnel they have to change the direction so that they are more competitive in the games they have left. And I'll be glad to take your answers off the air, guys. Thanks again. All right, Scott. Appreciate the phone call. One is get healthy. (laughs) I hate to say it, but Xavier McKinney was a big blow, not just to the secondary, but also the run fits. I just think a Dory is more of a realistic return than. Well, he was asking. Oh, I, oh, yeah, I agree with that's you. Just reacting. To I what agree you're with saying. you. I agree yeah. with you. Yeah. But he was talking about the run block, the run, uh, run stopping. Yeah. Obviously, you need Leonard Williams back. Obviously, you need you need McKinney back. Short of doing that, you could you could run blitz more. You could do that, like teams have been doing to the Giants now for about a month or so since Seattle. Teams are actually run blitzing a lot and stuffing those gaps before the Giants can even get something going because they're, they're clogging things up. You could run blitz more if you want to. Of course, the problem is if you do that and it's a play action, now you're leaving your secondary exposed. Yep. And the Giants right now just don't have the talent level to hold up under those situations. Look, part of here's what I will say, okay? Basically, basically, the same defense held Washington to 20 points in five quarters of football a week ago, okay? You played a fellow middleweight. You played the same guys in the secondary. In fact, we've discussed this, fourth quarter in overtime, you had four regular starters on the field, seven backups on the field, and did give up the 190-yard drive that forced OT. But you didn't get beat, and then Washington had two possessions in overtime, and you held them, okay? So you're asking me, I'm telling you, it's get a couple of key players healthy. It's maybe tweak a few things on some gambling plays, but it's also playing a fellow middleweight, dropping down in competition, which is what you're going to do on Sunday. That's part of the way that's part of the way you help the situation. Well, to me specifically if we're talking about Washington, what they need to do a more effective job this time around is you need to get Heineke in some of those third and longs. And I understand that he worked his magic on that 90-yard drive you're talking about. Some of those third downs though were not overwhelming. You really need to put him in a situation, and this is part of stopping the run, you could say, where you don't give them opportunities to run the ball on third down, Paul. See, Washington wants to be able to run the ball on third down. If you put them in a third and four, they'll give you an option of perhaps a run. They're not going to say, Heineke, you got to throw the ball. So it goes back to execution first and second down. Miss tackling. Got to clean that up. You can't allow a two-yard run to turn into a four-yard yeah, run because but until, that gives them a lot of better options. I'd have to go back and look, but until two weeks ago, the Giants were number one in the league, fewest missed tackles as a team. No, and I'm, I'm not saying that that has been a plaguing issue. I'm just saying in key situations, though, I would argue, sometimes the miscues have come back to bite them. For example, the last caller was referencing Pinnock on the cross where A.J. Brown right. gets wide open. I'm not saying that it's happening every single play, but timing is everything. You know what's funny, team. though? And, and to your point about that, despite the fact that their rush defense has, has allowed gaudy numbers all season long, it's top 10 defense in the red zone, top 10 defense in third downs. 
Well, the Eagles were three or four yesterday in terms of the red zone. Again, yeah. we're talking about elite. Well, that's well. I've, all I'm saying is that's more. But, you're right. On but, the season, they're good. For, lately, for the, though, it hasn't been as effective. Again, yeah. More guys are in the infirmary. Sure. That's going to well, happen. That's why the caller's asking about cleaning right. it up because well, it's got to change. And I'm going to tell him that <laughs> yeah. getting healthy is one of the ways you can you can help yourself out. You know, um, it, it's it's true. Timing is everything. And the fact that for the whole, even though the numbers on the in the rush game have been gaudy all season long, for most of the season, their red zone and their third down numbers have been really good. So timing is everything. You know, remember how uh, Bill Belichick said, let Thurman Thomas run for 100 yards. I don't care. I want to win the game. Well, maybe part of Wink's philosophy, and I haven't actually asked him this, is part of his philosophy on some weeks, we don't care what they what they do to run the ball? Maybe we think that that's okay? Maybe it is. Wouldn't be the first time it's happened in this league. Well, if you just look ahead at the schedule, it's interesting you brought that we up. We always say stop the run first, but maybe in specific instances, like Super Bowl twenty five, maybe stopping the run first isn't the right plan. Well, you're going up against Heineke. Then you're going to have Kirk Cousins. You're going to have Matt Ryan and... Let's go with the assumption it's Jalen Hurts, final week. Do all those quarterbacks scare you in the next four weeks? I don't think everybody puts fear in my eyes that they're going to throw for 300 yards at four touchdowns. So I guess what I'm getting at, that's why it's interesting you brought that up. I would still say the common ingredient with all those teams is I'd rather take Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson out of the equation. I'd rather take Dalvin Cook out of the equation, Jonathan Taylor out of the equation. See, and- oh, I'm not so sure because Cousins, Cousins has put up uh, scoreboard kind of numbers, well, pinball numbers. Though. I don't particularly like Kirk Cousins because I don't think he's a champion. I think he's a fantasy football quarterback, but he puts up very big numbers yeah, well, in the air. He's got Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. Yes. So you want yes. that to wreak havoc no. against you? No, so what I'm that's saying what I'm is saying. I don't want – maybe that's a game that I don't necessarily want to totally shut down the run. Because if Cousins throws the ball 40 times, he might throw for 450 yards and five touchdowns. He could, but I'd rather make it more difficult against on my, it. Against my secondary? You know what? Cook, take your shots. Well, all I'm saying is I'd rather Kirk be facing third and tens than third and fives. Yeah, and then he throws a 15-yard to the Jefferson. He breaks it 80 yards for a well, touchdown. Yes, that could happen, but let... That that might that might be the one game where I would I would say uh, maybe I'd give a little bit more on the run. Okay, but for the majority of the games, I still think you're prioritizing the running Definitely back. want to stop the run this week that against Heineke. Against. Exactly. There's no doubt. So, I want him to have to yeah. throw it 35 times. And I think Wink is probably thinking similar. So that's why I brought that up. It's an interesting conversation. but It is. I do and then think, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. No, not at all. I just think that if you look at the common element in the upcoming opponents, trying to handicap them with respect to the run game, to me, puts those quarterbacks in much more precarious spots than maybe vice versa. And we'll certainly get into that as we move forward here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. All right. That is going to wrap up Monday's edition here on the program. A reminder that today's episode is part of the Giants platforms everywhere and Giants.com slash podcast. We'll be up and running again on Tuesday at 12.30 p.m. Eastern for another live edition of BBKL. Stay locked to Giants.com for all the latest. For Paul Dottino, I'm Lance Meadow. We will speak to you on Tuesday right here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Have a good one. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.